Welcome to Inspirational Australians, where we share stories of Australians making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. We at Inspirational Australians acknowledge the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waterways on which this podcast is produced. We pay our respect to elders past and present and those who are emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. At Inspirational Australians, we are inspired by the world's oldest living culture and pay homage to their rich storytelling history when we share stories on our podcast. Hello and welcome to the Inspiration Australians podcast for your weekly dose of inspiration. For those playing at home at the moment, uh, and I'm forecasting to the future a little bit, but I'm imagining we're in the middle of our seven new Young Achieve Rewards program, getting nominations from young people right around the country. So if you know someone uh, who should be part of the awards, like our guest who's joining us today, then please take the time, two minutes I reckon it will take you, to go to youngachieverawards.com, click on your state or territory and hit the refer someone button. Like I said, two minutes to pop in a few small details and we take care of the rest. So really encourage you to do it. And I think after listening to uh, Nargis's story, I think you'll be inspired to do that and I hope you will. So on to today's guest, uh, I'm speaking with Nargis Madani, a women's resilience event panelist Nargis previously organised protests to raise awareness about the Afghan crisis. A new initiative that Nargis is working on aids young refugees and promotes women's solidarity. It seeks to strengthen connections and overcome challenges faced by refugees. To tell us more about that and a lot of other things that Nargis has worked on, I'd like to welcome to the podcast today, Nargis. How are you going? I'm good. How are you? I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Been a, a busy week, so it's actually nice to kind of... Uh, sit down and take a moment to stop and uh, and have a, a bit of a chat like this. Indeed it is. So where are you joining us from today? I'm joining you guys from Brisbane, Wajwain. Um, glad to be here. Currently in the process of moving to Melbourne, actually. So we're just bouncing both and packing up. But it's time to say goodbye to Brisbane and then hello to another state, Melbourne. There you go. That's new. So uh, yeah, that's quite exciting. Um, what have you got? lined up for uh for when you arrive uh to be honest it's mainly not much because I've got everything in Queensland universities here work is here as well and I guess family and friends are here as well but I feel like there's a limit in Brisbane in or it depends on your career as well but for me personally I think it's just for me to take a bigger step of my career and who I am personally it's just the time for me to get out of my box and just try yeah. something new and just put myself out there, which is something I'm not comfortable with, especially meeting new people. So I'm very keen on that and hopefully working with other people as well in the same areas I am working. And I'm just keen on to see how that goes. Well, uh, we'll get into it shortly because there's a lot of stuff that's really exciting about your future. And uh, I didn't even know that, that you were moving to Melbourne. So that really <laughs> kind of ties in with the, uh, some of the things we'll talk about before we get to the future good to start with the past and uh kind of your journey as you've uh progressed through and and you know one of the things that you've been passionate about is as mentioned in in the, the intro there 
raising awareness about the Afghan crisis. And, you know, for a lot of people who may not be fully aware of that, can you give us a bit of a uh, an intro or, or background on, on what that exactly is? Um, after the fall down of Afghanistan, what had happened is that it was, I was back in year 12 back then, which was 2021. So it was just a huge shock of us Afghan students being in class and all of a sudden just seeing news, a couple of the girls break down and it's, and the teacher was not, um, she was kind enough to let us out of the room just sort of for us to take a deep breath of what had happened. And we have family back home, fam- um, uncles and cousins, same, same um, story with everybody else in Afghanistan. We all have someone to look after and just not even family, but Kabul, Afghanistan is where I was born and raised till I was six. So pretty much home for me. And it was just a huge shock. And a couple of friends were organizing a protest and then I just helped them organize and then I got into it and then I ended up emceeing for that event as well alongside with another good friend, uh, Medina Mahmoud. So it was nice to see that we could do something in terms of asking government for help and just seeing where we could support the communities here as well. But it will, for me back then, a protest didn't really feel like much because there's so much we can do from here. There was absolutely nothing. It was just us standing day by day by the news to see what's the next news that's about to come forward, what's going to happen next, what are the laws that are going to be set up in Afghanistan. So I guess it was just, it was very unexplainable feeling. One, you can't do anything, your hands are tied and there's so much you can do. And then family here, also family back there. It was just a horrific time. But as time went past, things settled down, settled down a bit. And but there's so much we can do. There's one thing the public argues, and then there's the media, and then there's what's actually going on grounds when you hear from family where they promise that they will um let females and girls go back to school, but they shut it down within six months. So people, I guess the public were trying to calm us down saying it's going to be fine. They're looking forward to it. Yeah. But we knew the truth, which is what it is today. Yeah, well, that's, uh, you know, that's classic politics, isn't it? Just from yes. for what happened is saying, uh, oh, you know, it's all going to be fine. We're going to do this, this and this, and then just wait for the immediate, uh, you know, attention to die down a little bit. And then they just go straight back to uh, to the negative thing. So, exactly. you know, being so young, um, being part of organising that and as an MC, did you come across any obstacles, you know, people... Um, regarding your age or you know was it just because you were so passionate about it you were able to push through um well the community was very supportive nobody mm. questioned my age in most matters but it's just with communities obviously and I believe this with any ethnic communities a lot of young people who have in sectors like this we do kind of face backlash sometimes here and there due to the age being in elders meeting which is yeah. one thing that I had a bit of a trouble with connecting with elders in the community in terms of being invited or going to these meetings, you're not held as accountable because they say, oh, they're young, they don't understand, which truly we understand more in and out than they do, which um, we can't really argue. So due to the respect of our background, we just got to say yes and move on. We can't really push ourselves. But during that protest, not a lot of people thought that it was organized by young people. So a lot of other communities just sort of said oh like they were backed up by the communities but truly it was just good people with good intentions that supported us and a lot of good friends our age that support us as well 
So there's a lot of credit that I want to give out to Beatrice as well. She was an organizer and she helped us out through. And and these, some of these people I didn't even know. I just literally met them in a Zoom meeting. We spoke about how they want to run things. And then I one of the girls gave me a call. She goes, would you like to MC with me? I was like, perfect. Like, I'll literally do anything that I can support you guys with. And her and I and her sister ended up meeting the next day, went out for a coffee, got the everything to got a plan together. And then it was just four to five days of running, no work. I was a year 12, no school. They were in uni. They just completely, everybody just stopped what they were doing. And then everybody was just hands-on posters, get inviting community members, doing the marketing. So in and out, it was just go, go, go. So it was definitely something that a lot of people supported it. And a lot of people didn't. Some people looked at a bright side of my age saying, oh, she's young and she's involved in this type of work. But also some people saw the negative side of it. So I guess everybody has their own cup of opinions. It just really matters at the end. Of the day. This is always something I would say to people who are in my place or people who come for advice. I'm like, clean heart and a good intention gets you far. Mm. doesn't matter what people think. Because if you have good intentions, you will get far. And the ball always comes in your court. But if your intentions are different, you have a different agenda, that's when things take, will take turn on yourself. Yeah. 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 I truly uh, agree and resonate with that as well about good intentions because, you know, for example, everyone makes mistakes. We're human. It's a part of, of human life yeah. is mistakes and we get things wrong sometimes. But if you go in with, with those good intentions and, you know, uh, genuine nature, it's it's not a problem to own up to those mistakes and say, hey, yeah, that was a mistake. I had the absolute best intentions and this is how we can try and remedy it. So I feel yeah. like, uh, yeah, that would have held you in good stead. It did. And then that's why I always say to people when they're like, oh, you work with community because community, our community the most has really a lot of politics. And I'm as much as I love politics, but that's also, I like it from a distance. I don't like <laughs> it from a close. So I'm like, I like to hear about it. I'm like, oh, that's very interesting. But um, wouldn't I'm not the type of person who likes conflict or put like putting myself in the middle of something that I know that it's not in my nature to be around with. So that's what I was tell people. I'm like, good intention, clearly heart gets you far. And sometimes in my you might be in rooms that you might not like, but if you just keep your good intentions and share, like truly stay true to your values and morals, that's very important. And that's one thing that I've learned coming to Australia as well as a refugee. No matter who you are, where you're from, how old you are, how young or old, um, it always comes down to your morals and values as a human being. It's how you treat people every day that comes to you or strangers or how you act, your actions all comes down to your morals and values as well. That's why I always tell people, I'm like, don't judge people by where they're from or how old they are. Judge them by their character and how they speak or how they action things. Because that speaks louder than anything. Because a lot of people just are very fast to confirm, be like, oh, she's from that country, X, Y, and Z. But I'm like, it's never about the person. There's always good and bad in every community. It's about the person himself of what they show and how they act and how they run things says a lot more about them than they where, where they're from. Because that's why we always categorize people. It's like, oh, she's from there. So there are people like that. I'm like, it's never like that. It's just their character. You just happen to meet a bad person in a certain community. It doesn't, yep. it doesn't make you labelize the whole entire community as that label. Yeah, I've uh, I've had so many conversations like that, and uh, you know when there's a really bad experience with a white person or Caucasian person, the top of the conversation doesn't go, oh, it's a 
white people they're, they're so you know what i mean they don't do the stereotype <laughs> the other way so they really yeah. need to have a look in the mirror before they uh, start saying those things but um exactly. it's so true well another thing that can be controversial is the word protest really and and you know not so much the word the action but uh, some people can't wrap their head around why that's uh, important why it's needed how it can actually bring community together did you face people um saying you know shouldn't be organizing a protest it's wrong how do you explain you know why a, a protest is needed sometimes I think with this situation particularly everybody had so much build up build of emotions build up of anger build up of sad and build up of hurt some people's families passed away during this time as well and for them to call back and if um which I actually met up with one of the because I was doing a lot of volunteering back then when I had they, a lot of refugees came to Australia. I spoke to him face to face and one of the 17 year old girls, she goes, oh, I passed out in the airport because there was absolutely no oxygen. It was just too much crowd and too many people. So from her, hearing from her perspective and then hearing another friend, oh, my family passed away during that because a lot of people did pass away. A lot of kids got stomped over. A lot of older people wow. got pushed around. It was just horrific hearing the stories, but then meeting meeting some people in real life face to face that actually experience it is just twice as more of an emotion hit so I guess they needed the community really needed this to let let the anger out and let the sadness out because even when we were there we were in, we were expecting around two to three hundred people because that's what the Facebook views were at and then when we went in person almost we got audience from Gold Coast North Side whole Brisbane Logan well, we were estimating it to be around a thousand to two thousand people. Whole Brisbane City Council was filled, packed with Afghans, and you can see the emotions on everyone's faces as well. You can see young children, a lot of families, a lot of mums and dads. Pretty much everyone was. A lot of people were there, and you could just feel the emotions to everybody as well. So I guess they really needed this to just let it out, where they feel like they are doing something for their people. It's just about showing up, and to our Afghan people. I guess being somewhere in person and showing you support means more than them doing something online or signing a petition. So I guess for everybody there to be in person and just know that there are other people, we're all going through this as one. And I guess that's what made the, it was really necessary to have that. And I guess we tried our best to demand the government for more visas, getting those who were on they were on temporary visa to permanency visas as well. So we were demanding a couple of things during that time and just seeing the community coming together where they just, I would say trauma bond, but <laughs> I guess feel each other's yeah. shared pain during that time was really needed. And for them to just come and let it out and feel like they are doing something. We've got a lot of good feedback and we've got some bad feedback, but then you can never please everyone, but mostly it was good feedback. So fingers crossed, <laughs> but I guess I'm glad we did what we did and I would never regret that, but it was nice seeing the community and especially with our community since it's so diverse and there's different ethnic minorities, seeing them come together one in hand during a time like that. It was nice to see that we can bring everybody in one room. Did working on, you know, organizing that and obviously uh, being a, an MC as well, did that spark a bit of a passion for you to keep being involved with community events? Because I noticed that you've done quite a few uh, events and panels and things like that in the time since. I was in community before that, actually. Um, I worked in the community sector, but I was more of like behind the shadows doing workshops here and there where I could help out. But 
I guess the protests really brought out the bigger passion. And just seeing that there's more to it. But I guess it's just finding ways how can you actually make a difference instead of just running a couple of programs here and there. Because I always like to see the big image and things. I'm like, these things are great, but how long can you hold hold on to it or how long can you actually run it? Because a lot of people call um, protests rational. They were like, oh, you guys just went too far. Nothing went out of hand. Everything was in line. But I guess it's just for me to when I set certain goals, or if I would want to see a change or creating a change, um, there's a quote that says, if you create, if you want to create a change, you start by the closest person next to you. But holding in holding that, not everybody's going to be open to your changes. Not everybody's going to be open to your opinion. So I guess it's finding ways to speak different people's language because not everybody, they agree with your opinion, but it's just the way you opinion comes across or how you word it also means a lot. Um, that's one thing I've learned as well but it's finding a way or a sort of a system or some sort of an organization that you can actually create that bigger change because with protests you can only do so many protests and slowly it'll die with workshops you can do only a certain amount and it gets to certain people how many words of mouth does it go around I guess it's just finding the right way to take things but also create it's like a business where you have to build the right foundations and the right base in order to sustain something in opinion or a change only so far. So I guess that's one thing I struggle with community is just, okay, if we want to create a change, how do we go about it? And how do we get the voice not only interstate, but internationally? Because opinions can only go so far, a change can only go so far, but what are you, how willing are you to push that through to actually make it? something that everybody couldn't recognize so I guess that's something that I want to like find out for myself and see if what I where I come up with the math maths in it that's why I guess I'm moving to Melbourne as well to just see how big of a state it is they've got way more community than we do in Queensland so I guess I'm testing the waters now yeah so we'll see how it goes well speaking of a big move you mentioned earlier that at the age of six you moved from Afghanistan to Australia so Have you was that to Queensland? Is that where you moved? No, so we had a bit of a journey. Um, we had to evacuate Afghanistan back in our circumstances, and then we evacuated to Pakistan for two and a half years, and then from Pakistan we came to Australia, so straight into Brisbane. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah what was yeah. the situation like in in Pakistan, where you know, and and the circumstances around that? I guess being so young, I just didn't um, realize that much. Mm. That's one thing I was when people ask, so like, how did the like, how was the process or the story for you? I'm just like, I was young, a bit villious. So I was like, okay, we're moving places. As young people, there's only so much you can observe from your family stress and panic. To versus like one minute you're like, oh, they're panicking. Next minute you see a doll and like, okay, I'm gonna go towards that. So, I guess I didn't. I didn't really look back that much in terms of because I was so young, I didn't really pick up mm, on things. That's true. Yep. So there's not much I can say, but I did learn the language. Kind of forgot it now. I can understand it, but I still, I actually did go to Pakistan, Afghanistan, started this year. Um, so it was just a nice experience to go back home and see how far and how time have changed and how far I've came in life and everybody else in the world, how much it has changed 
versus life there just time feels very slow whereas Australia feels so fast and every day you're like it goes by but time back home it just goes so slow everything's in a calm pace whereas Australia is just like you go 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 or you fall about 10 steps behind I was gone for like two or three weeks and I felt like I was two years behind when I came back I just got 56 emails and I'm just like oh my god I have to clear all this so it was it was an experience um and so you know going back to Afghanistan you know in light of everything that's happened and the crisis that uh is happening there what was it like for you was uh, I guess in in light of that um going back to Afghanistan the where do I start so since I don't remember what originally Afghanistan was like because I was so young when we moved here but I have brief memories here and there I guess it really depends where you are as your status one thing I've noticed with different types of families I've spoken to in Australia and then I've spoken to back in Afghanistan and as well as Pakistan the rich always says oh that's there's nothing wrong with Afghanistan Afghanistan has been the same it's just um change of laws and I've realized the same conversation with a couple of guys in the airport because I was I went by myself to Afghanistan so I was sitting throughout the whole airport so for the some families when they saw me by myself a female traveling to Afghanistan they came to approach because they were like oh she you can tell she's Afghan so they came like oh you're Afghan I'm like yes I am and then they were like oh like what are you doing here by yourself are you safe do you need us to like support I was like oh no I'm perfectly fine as I was speaking to them more and more um because it was my first time going back home since 10 years and then I asked them I was like oh have you guys went to Afghanistan after the fall they were like oh multiple times Afghanistan's been the same and then the more they spoke, the more it revealed that they were on high status of saying, oh, like, Afghanistan's fine because their families already had a job from Afghanistan and overseas. So they're getting yeah. good income in US dollars where their families are sustaining. Well, they'll probably have two to three properties. Whereas the poor in Afghanistan, you go to region areas, they've struggled from the start and they're still struggling really bad. So I guess it's just who you talk to will give you different information based on how their families are in Afghanistan. So me going back, see, picking from that conversation and picking conversation from family, friends, some around the community here when I was helping them out, they were saying their families are struggling. There's no jobs for them. There's no support in terms of food and their kids are starving. So they have to send money from here to support them over there. So when you hear different stories from different people, you can just tell how much everybody has different views on where Afghanistan is in today. A lot of the rich people they like it because they're like oh there's laws in place there's good stuff in place i'm just like okay it's great that we have laws but to what extent that the kids aren't going to school they're um all the makeup stores are down in afghanistan as well they completely crossed everything out they're limiting females day by day the media is not speaking about it it's not being spoken about it at all we have family friends who run businesses in afghanistan mostly are females their businesses got shut so me seeing that I'm just like and then there's no media release and then everyone's like oh it's all good I'm like okay but what what's actually going on grounds versus what you see on media two different things so I guess it's just where people are as you status with any every other country is where you're at is how much world problems will affect you but what I feel really bad the poor always stays the poor and the ones who got like went bad from the start are still in a bad position still today that's why like we've support as many families as much as we can here and there do a lot of donation runs between family friends and friends that are 
friends with us that would like to support these people we just collect and send it all at once to the um, mosques over there and the mosque sometimes creates food and then just gives it out to the public or they buy them stocks of rice and stuff where they can to support the really really poor families because um as much as a lot of people don't like to touch bases on it Hazara the ethnic community Hazara the ethnic minorities that get targeted the most in Afghanistan and during the Taliban but the ones that were so it's just a lot of different things that's actually going on and seeing where you can support and where you can't but it's just knowing people that has genuine information from down grounds and as well as um so I guess that's the most important part is who you speak to that has genuine information from there because seeing where it is now versus where it was four or five years ago is completely different spots they're pretty much all being shut down so it's day by day getting more modest and just more conservative than ever because the whole idea of religion is um actually the quran says seek um seek out to more knowledge the quran never said to uh for females to not study in the Quran, it recites that to seek a, to seek for more knowledge. It means go and get yourself educated, go study, learn a passion. It's never said to shut people out, shut females, shut females out, stop them from studying. Because one thing I always say, I'm like, if they were truly following Quran, it would the laws of Afghanistan wouldn't truly not be there where it is today. Because if you really follow it, it falls into your character. The Quran it falls into how you treat people, how's your character and how your personality, you having to make someone's day bad, that's also a sin. So small minor stuff that they've taken, they've flipped their 180 and then they did the opposite. So I can talk about it all day, but I'll stop about it right now. <laughs> Crazy, so many layers, there's so many complexities to it. And, uh, you know, from my perspective, uh, it's tough for me to get to come to terms with it because it's so against what you know my beliefs are so it's hard and you know I'm an outsider you know I can only imagine the the difficulties for you and you know did you have to like walk a fine line or anything when you're in that country to follow the the, you know certain rules that that you may not agree with Mm, I did um there were absolutely no rules that I didn't agree with because I I guess being with family there I didn't really view it, see it that much, but it was just only once or twice my hijab did fell off because it was really windy and I didn't notice it and not wearing it here, wearing it over there was just going back to it I wasn't used to. So, because in Afghanistan, Kabul, we, my family never wore it because Kabul five years ago in the, most of the places you don't have to wear it, it was never a must rule where back then we didn't wear it, we didn't wear it here. For us, it was perfectly fine. And then me going back to where now my hijab fell off once and where the, one of the Taliban did approach us. And then they were like, oh, like pull it forward. So I was like, oh yeah, my apologies. I pulled it back forward. And then again, it just happened to slip. And then I pulled it back. The moment I was pulling it forward, he made another stop. And what they normally do, if you don't abide by them, they take them, whoever the man is with you, whether that's your cousin, your brother, and then they go and... They take them in for a couple of days, pretty much beat them and then send them back home like bruised saying that you didn't teach your woman right. That's why they've taken the hijab off or they didn't follow the laws right, which was something very shocking, which I wasn't aware of. And very shocking. Um, very shocking. So I was 
I wasn't necessarily scared, but it was just more of like seeing what it was back when I was, I guess, five, four years old, six years old compared to now. It was just like a 180 change again. So I guess it was a delightful experience going back home, but it's not the back home we had back then. I couldn't go half the shops. I couldn't go to most of the places because they were all banned. Females weren't allowed to enter. I couldn't even go to the zoo. I wanted to go to the zoo and they said our oh, females aren't allowed. And then I just, my just sh- my face just went shocking. I'm like, what's going to happen to seeing a couple of animals? So I guess certain minor stuff, which affects you a lot, but they've banned women from a lot of places. So they're just prohibited from pretty much anything. Just go shopping, go back home, I guess, and just buy grocery stores. That's pretty much all females can do nowadays. Yeah. So I was shocked that they banned all females from the zoo. Yeah, the control is uh, quite shocking, as you said. Mm. Well, <laughs> I can't think of a good segue, uh, to be honest, but um, I do want to ask you as well about, you know, because you're doing a lot of work with people, uh, refugees, but also, um, you know, we talked about it briefly before we went live, uh, elderly, pe- Afghan mm. and, and, and other people as well, connecting in with younger people. I think it's great. So in the intro, I did kind of uh, allude to it, if you will, uh, the new initiative that was mentioned called Roya Connect. Give us a bit of a, a background on what that is, how it started, and, and I loved your terminology, it's shape-shifted so many times, and, and I guess where it's uh, heading towards today. Uh, we initially came up with it when we did the first protest, when the young people the young people that helped us organise it, all of us sat down and were like, oh, the community wasn't really supportive about some stuff. And so that's what we're like, oh, how about we create an organization of, like between ourselves? Because we realized how many young people came unoccupied by families. There were just 17, 18 year olds that were evacuated out of Afghanistan to Australia where they didn't have any family, friends, so, um, no family, no friends and the language barrier as well. So we kind of sat down and then we were talking about it. We're like, okay, um, let's start an organization. Went forward a little bit. Then everybody got busy with life and families. It died down. The conversation came up six months later. Again, spoke about it. So we also how we could fit in this organization. Again, it died down. So it has been shape-shifting since 2021 till 2023. <laughs> Until this year, and finally, um, everybody else fell out. And I made the final executive decision to just completely change it. Um, we were first, I guess, um, a, fo- a focus was on youth because I guess that's where we struggle with a lot of um, elders in our communities, connecting with them and then just having a normal conversation. It was just not happening. There's not a lot of connection building. And there's due to multiple reasons as well, where they go into politics. We don't like to look into the politics. So we're like, okay, how can we make this work? Where the conversation died in a couple of months, and then back then I was working as a CSW, a cultural support worker and when I was working I was working with top three clients which is the most severe clients so some really elder people that were here by themselves or um, families and a lot in a, in a lot of struggle so in seeing that a lot of people that were most I guess a rope to their foot was a lot of the old people they couldn't go out they couldn't study the language barrier 
in self-isolation at home they were having trouble in terms of understanding their kids and how kids go out we have friends we have social media so it's constantly go 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 for us it's a lifestyle we enjoy but whereas the other people they whereas our mom and dad and our grandparents could not understand or they couldn't understand us and they couldn't understand the different types of personalities and how we are growing up here so I guess what made me realize is that we are so focused on the young generation. We're constantly trying to fit into them. But also young people have this stage of growing up, going through ego, building up their own character. I'm like, instead of focusing on that, because they will be taken care of by school, they will be taken care of by university. They already have a path that they can follow and they know the resources and tools where to access them. Whereas other people, on the other hand, they've already given up on themselves, and which is a sad story for a lot of refugees and anyone that has migrated to Australia, they all feel like that. They feel self-isolation where they're always locked up at home. They don't do anything. They don't know who to contact. Their language barrier as well, which causes them a lot of headache in terms of relearning another language. So pretend you're yep. 60 or 50 and you go to a completely different country. You can't get out because you don't speak English. You can't even use your phone to like direct yourself towards a library or a park. And if something happens to you, God forbid, you don't even know who to call. Even if you call emergency line, they don't have translators on the line either. So there's so much broad stuff to that's into it. So in order to, I guess, be that, I was like, okay, how can we make this work? Because they were having struggles in terms of relationship-wise with their children and grandchildren. They're always at home. I'm like, these young people, they're kind of losing... Um, kind of losing their roots and their culture the language the tradition as well so I was like how can we beat this so I was thinking I was intersecting both um gens into one organization which I have not seen done before so I guess it's a new opportunity a new place and something new to experience um experiment with because I always love a good challenge when it comes to these kind of stuff so I'm like how can we make this work is okay doing um workshops within I guess ethnic minorities, depending on which um, community they're from. So I was thinking about experimenting with Africans first, just in terms of seeing if we hold a little chat chai, like a chai time where everybody comes together, have a little bit of tea, we'll pick them up, take them out, go to a park, have a little picnic together, see what they want from a service in terms of getting out. Do you guys want to go into knitting? Something that is a bit artistic and appropriate for their age. And taking out, I guess, those young people who are willing to volunteer and put some time into it, all the older people in the community and having them run the workshops because it will be soft skills and they don't need any mainly um, certificate or qualifications. It's soft skills in terms of running a program and I guess having a facilitator as well to just supervise and make sure things run well um, and having them by as um, volunteers to come and help out and just pretty much bring the youth back into the culture and back to the people and back into the community. And I, that's something while I guess yeah, a lot of young generations today struggle as well as they don't understand community. Everybody's thirsty and dying after getting the next thing in terms of running around hustling. I really get that. I understand it. But in order to see where you truly are happy, it's, fi- it's finding something that is heart feeling first. And then from there, you slowly build up on your character, on yourself and on your professional um career and that's the one thing I learned I was just always go 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 type of person but I'm just like okay sometimes you need to hold back sometimes you need to go back to community sometimes you need to do things that will fill up your I guess fuel in terms of just having your heart felt warm and helping out and 
not everything has to be a business, like a transaction where it goes both ways. Sometimes giving things and then just letting the universe bring it back to you. And I guess that's something a lot of young people nowadays have a hard time finding that out or they have a hard time understanding it. So I guess that's a way I'm sort of envisioning putting it together. I'm still in the process of shape-shifting it. So just seeing what works out, what will work out. It's obviously, if we get in the first run, happy days. But if we don't get in the first run, I guess it's trial and go and see where it works and yeah. which community works out for and where do we need to change it for which community and make sure that we cater to the appropriate cultures and seeing it fit because not every organization is going to fit all sizes. So I want to make sure that we try our best to cater for all. So Nargis, with Roy Connect, you know, it sounds like such an interesting concept, interesting idea. And you know, like Tay described the intersection, it's 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 merging business uh with community. Um is that, you know, and I know that you have a real passion and interest in business. Is that kind of where you're shifting your focus now? I think so, because to a lot of people it might seem like, oh, like she's colliding business with community work that's not how community work um community work is community work should just be volunteer out of your heart and passion just because you want to do it but I see it through where we are today 2023 the world runs really differently how we run things now we don't run back 10 15 years ago we run things differently now and I guess with depending on what age you are and how you see things and what you have passion for you will find ways to incorporate and fit both in one so I guess for me it was personally putting Roy in a business perspective and just actually getting registered and as well as just looking at it to make it legitimate just for myself to hold myself accountable for it and actually show up every day when you're not getting paid and you're just putting hours and days out of your week up voluntarily when you're doing university and as well as other work. So I guess for me to sound my, to, for me to hold, hold myself accountable was in order to make it legitimate and just make everything like a back to what I was saying that in order to sustain something well you need to have right foundation and base so I guess for me the start was registering it as an NGO and seeing where it goes it might not go well in six 12 months I might not be interested in and have someone else come over and take it and it might be something that I hold on for a very long time so I guess it's just we don't know what tomorrow holds we don't know what next year holds the only thing we can look forward to is a vision an image what we have built for ourselves our business future life friendships and family so I guess for me the image is just to create something sustainable that is well for community and as well as whole create jobs opportunities for other people like myself which I was in that previous position so I guess it's just seeing where it goes whether that goes well or it might not but it's just about I guess building the foundations and holding myself accountable and really putting myself to it because it has been such a long time shape-shifting for so long because we never really did something legitimate. And I guess since I've done that, it's more of like a no choice. You just got to keep going forward whether it's good or bad. So I'm glad I've did it. And um, I guess it's just about seeing what the next six, 12 months holds for us. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, what's on the horizon, I understand that you've got um, another business that you have had previously and kind of looking to relaunch. So tell me a bit about Prestige Marketing Solutions. Um, Prestige Marketing Solutions was actually um, a business. I was doing social media. It's basically digital marketing, social media marketing. I was doing it all last year with a business partnership and the not all partnerships always work out. And I guess it's about trial and go. So after it did not go well in terms of around January, 
December last year, we decided to um, separate ways. And that's when I had to go overseas and I came back and then went overseas again. So it was just coming back, working on it, but also having uni and other life commitments on the side and then coming back and going. It sure shifted a lot, but it also opened my eyes to a lot of different types of other businesses as well and just sort of seeing what fits well for me. But I always found myself to have an eye for the social media marketing and digital marketing. And I do, I do want to vouch for myself that I do a well job on that path. And so I guess I did want to continue it because um, and for me, in a way, helping people out has always been something that I always hold in my heart. I always will because I always, that's why I'm not into numerology, but the number eight, how they say um, common, the common number, what goes around comes around is something that I always say as well, is that if you do good deed, it always finds a way back to you. But if you do bad, it always finds a way back to you as well back to what I was saying in terms of a clear, um, good intentions and a clear heart. So I guess for me to help people out and just seeing the genuine smile and seeing them succeed is a succeed for me. So I guess incorporating it into the business was social media and digital marketing because you're getting them sales, you're getting them more customers, they're happy, but inside you're happy as well. And I love all sorts of businesses and I've worked in different types of businesses as well, real estate, restaurant, corporate areas laws so I guess having so many different types of experience I've always wanted to be in every sort of um business but having only one mind and one body I could not physically be at all of them so I wanted to find a way that I can incorporate my ideas for all sorts of businesses which is whether they were e-commerce or um community or restaurants or um pretty much anything retail stores car shops so I always saw a vision for every business so I'm like okay how can I incorporate that into a business that I can support all these businesses because I'm also being a part of their team in terms of you marketing um, you strategizing how to sell how to bring more people in so I guess for me marketing was the right job and I've been doing it for so long I loved it but I guess that overseas gaps kind of pushed our launch really back but I'm planning to hopefully launch it within September or next month I've already got clients on the line because I'm well connected with some business people but I guess the official launch or the soft launch I would like to call before I go to Melbourne having a team's dinner with my team this Friday and then saying my goodbyes to everyone but I'll be going between Brisbane and Melbourne because I've got clients here and there so it's nice to see it flourish back up again and for me I'm not the type of person of a title I liked when I say a team, we're all in this together. So if I fail, everybody else, we're going down. But if we go up, we all go up together. That's one thing that I was like to say is that if I do well, we're all doing well. And I want to make yeah. sure that I everyone around me is well taken care of and catered for, whether that's my team, family, friends, is ensuring that everybody can rely and use me as a backbone because that's what I've always been people. People always come to me with trouble. I always give them a solution. So it was like that. So I guess businesses falls into the same sector as well as helping businesses stand back up again, whether that's rebranding, graphics, logo, website, we pretty much take care of it all. So it's nice to see that we're helping them as a business owner, but as well as you create relationships and friendships, long-term relationships as well. So I guess I'm really keen for that. Yeah. Well, successful business can mean so many different things. Um, and some people are so focused on, you know, scaling, maximize profits but at, at what cost you know to me successful business is about so much more than that and you touched on a whole bunch of those things just before so I've got no doubt that with those clear intentions uh, in your heart that your businesses will be fantastic um, and, and I'm interested to actually uh, you know I hope 
just I guess bringing this back to the Young Achiever Awards, I, I hope to see a uh, renewed um, entry and nomination for you, Nargis, mm-hmm. in a couple, you know, in a year or two years, because it's going to be so different to your previous nomination. So, you know, yeah. we, we kind of skipped over it at the start, which was my fault, because I was just so keen to get into the conversation. <laughs> but yeah. uh, you were a finalist in the Seven Youth Young Achiever Awards for Queensland in the Sir Optimus International Women Empowering Others Award. You know, we can understand why with everything we've talked about, the work that you've done in community, uh, you have been empowering others. So, you know, I can just imagine in two years' time, the nomination is going to be about business success and uh, and those kind of things. So going back to the uh, um, the awards, how was your experience being part of it? And, uh, you know, what stood out to you? Um. Because I did get semi-finalist for the Multicultural Resilience Award and a nominee for one of the other awards. I guess seeing the overall three awards for me personally, having something as a piece of paper just feels more of an achievement that you really did something and your work actually counted. When you work with community and you you do volunteering for hours on end and some people are appreciated, some people don't it doesn't really get recognized in a way, but you don't really do it for the recognition. You do it for the solely out of good heart. And I guess finally seeing the work you've been doing for two to three years, hours on end, getting burnouts, because the last protest, I had a massive burnout where I had to quit um, real estate. And I guess that's why I've dropped real estate as well, is that I was just so burnt out and I didn't see real estate being my um, my like career down the line. So it brought me some realizations, but it also brought me back to where I stand the most. So I guess seeing your work being recognized by the public, I'm sure everybody felt a bit of good in themselves, like I did it. It's not for you, but it's mainly for the people you've done it for. Yeah. And that's the way I see it, but as well as seeing family being proud of you and for them, because sometimes family agree and disagree to what extent, you, how much you help out and how much you work. Because for them, it was just, I lost my voice after the second protest. I could not speak for a month because I ripped my tonsils. I was screaming too loud um, and seeing went really hard. So I guess for them to see that they're like, okay, your hard and work and your passion is where you got um, where you got yourself today. This is, it's, it's also really nice to have built a name for yourself as well. So when you do approach certain people for projects and helping out in terms of business is that you have started a foundation because I'm glad I didn't go straight into business. I'm glad I didn't go straight into hardcore corporate work without having that foundation of humbleness within the community first. And then after that happened, I went into um, corporate. So I guess I am glad I had that balance. But overall, the Community Awards event was really nice. It's seeing your hard work actually being paid off. But as special as it was, that's also how much um, I didn't really mind it that much because I knew at the end of the day, we were all went with good intentions going forward. So I wasn't really looking forward to getting anything out of it myself because one of my friends actually nominated me for the award. I didn't do it. She's like, you should definitely sign up for it. Um, I think you'll do well. I was like, I don't have the time, but I was like, if you want to go apply on my behalf, go ahead and do it. And she actually did. She just asked. Yeah, she actually did. She asked for my photos. She asked for my photos and she applied on my behalf. So I was just, when I, I was overseas when I received the three emails, and I was just like, where are these emails come from? I screenshot and sent it to her. She goes, oh my God, like you got in, congrats. And I was just like, what's going on? So I guess coming back and seeing, having good people around you is really important. Sometimes you don't need big events or big celebrations or an award or some sort of recognition. It's 
having a supportive family and friends that are around you that will be there to celebrate you but is also there for your downfalls and the days you doubt yourself is where it was really important for me and it was really nice to um celebrate the night with them and having them close by because they saw where I started and they see where I am today so it was really lovely and it was an opportunity to meet other people in the same-minded fields and seeing how others success story inspires you so much inspiring different projects so definitely 10 out of 10 it was a, it was an amazing night that's fantastic well before we wrap up Nargis uh, I do have one final question for you and uh, you know I guess the the lead up to the question is that we're on the I'd say we you're on the inspirational trains <laughs> podcast I'm asking the questions uh, I'm hearing your story and it's been fantastic I've been inspired by it because to gain a slight understanding and I say slight because there's as we said there's so many layers and complexities to mm-hmm. um you know the situation in Afghanistan you coming over um everything you've been through empowering others uh and using that and having you know the wisdom that you have at your age with so much of the insight you've shown is uh is inspiring to me and shows me that there's a big misunderstanding in my personal opinion around gen gen z gen z Mm. and uh and what people you know are like and i think yeah it's just been great to to hear from you and and uh so i've been inspired by you but i want to know what is it that inspires you i guess I'll touch bases back on the Jen said the stuff that she said. I don't um I struggle getting along with people my own age as well. That's why I always hang out with older people. So I do understand it from that perspective. Um it's one of those things is when you outgrow some groups too fast, it's just best to move on to the next forward thing. Um to be honest, I don't know what inspires me. And it's just one of the one of those questions where they're like, who's your favorite celebrity? I never had a favorite celebrity. I just liked whoever went past and I'm just like on to the next. Um, I guess I always did it. Oh, I don't know, to be honest. Every project I did, it was always somehow I related to it or doing it for those who were close to me that were struggling. And it was just about being there and pulling through and actioning something instead of just words of comfort because words of comfort we can all like talk till tomorrow giving someone like you'll be fine they'll be fine your family's going to be fine everything's going to be fine but actually actioning it in doing something for them for them to see some sort of a change or an action is speaks a lot louder like j cole said actions speak louder than words that's one thing i always stand close by and i'm just like we can only do so much by talking, but when you're actioning, I guess it shows you true character and how much you are as a person. And I guess that's one thing for me is that I always pull through because I saw people struggle. And that's it. To be honest, I don't have anyone that is inspiring to me. I guess partially my family has been our biggest support. They've always supported whatever decision I made. They always supported whether it was dumb or good, that would just be like, you could just do it, hit your head on the wall, and then you turn right back. I was like, no problem. So I guess having a supportive family is what my, um, and supportive friends, I'm so grateful to be at such a young age and finding people that I can lean on, because I know that a lot of people do struggle with that in terms of struggling, having right people around them. So I'm grateful for the people around me and having a really supportive base system. So I guess they inspire me to do better and they 
believe in me in times that I don't believe in myself. So I doubt myself a lot. I'm like, is this a good decision? Are we making the right decision? Will the community be happy with this? Is so many thoughts. And I guess having the right group around you to just really balance your energy out is the best thing. Because Huda and I have been friends since grade seven. So her and I are yin and yang. I'm fire. She's calm. So we balance each other around the perfect way. So in a family on top, having supportive systems, I guess, is what I look forward. And I guess they supported me and because of them, I am where I am today. But it's also initiating things and just doing it. You don't always have to have someone to look up to. You don't always have to have a role model. You be a role model of your own because we all come with different characters and unique personalities. I don't look forward. To, I don't look up to anyone. I guess I look, to be honest, I don't look up to anyone. So I guess it's just about being someone you can look up to for yourself. Like yeah, that's what I was telling people. Like look up to yourself. To be honest, I guess I look up to like I look up to myself. I'm like, if I did X, Y, and Z, I can do the rest as well. It's just about doing it, whether you hit your head on a wall or you go right through it. Yeah, I like it. It's a yeah, certainly a unique answer, but in a really good way. Uh, it's, yes, <laughs> I think sometimes we do need to look inwards, don't we? And uh, and draw that, that strength, I guess, and confidence from ourselves. Um, yeah. And in a way, that's a lot more powerful because you're kind of saying, well, I I believe in myself, you know. Exactly. Because a lot of people, when you look into, when you look up to people, it's really great. Um, You have someone to like, be like, okay, they did X, Y, and Z. I'll do that. But sometimes when they do X, Y, and Z, would you do that? So that's also comes into question. And when I saw some people that were like, okay, I really like what they're doing. And then you see, they do something that is out of line for you. You're like, oh, you hold yourself back. Be like, hold on. That's not how I want to be. I don't like my characteristic or I don't like that type of personality. That's what I always say. Look into from every conversation, you get something and you leave them with something. And as well as looking at people, picking on the good character traits is something my mom always said is pick people's good habit, but don't pick up other bad ones. That's what she always used to tell me as a child. So I guess growing up when I was inspired people, I would pick up on the stuff that I liked about them, whether they were confident, they used to speak really nicely or they did community work, or they did X, Y, and Z, how they dress and how they looked. I'm like, okay, I like that. How can I incorporate that in my way? I didn't like copying things, and I did. that's how I am with lifestyles. But I'm just like, I like things done my way, I'm a bit of micromanaging in that aspect. But I'm like, if the world, if you, um, if I guess it's almost like blending with the sheep, so something that I always didn't like, and I wasn't like that from the start when I was younger. So being now where I am and understanding how the world works, I still don't want to look up to anyone because I'm like, you need to look up to yourself because you should be your biggest role model. Only that can boost your confidence. Only that can be like beat your own insecurities. And only that can beat people if you're in a room that you need to dominate yourself and be like, this is who I am, whether people like it or not. And only that way, I feel like you can stay true to your morals and values because that's where you're true. That's how you built your morals and values is, seeing what's good and seeing what's bad and deciding between those things. Sure. Yeah. Well, now I guess if people want to, you know, stay connected with you and follow your journey, uh, how can they do that? Uh, I don't feel post much on Facebook, but I'm um, on Facebook or Instagram. So I'm planning to get back on the social media stuff as I'm, as I'm a social media manager and I do digital side, it's a bit of a shame for me to say I don't work on my own stuff sometimes. <laughs> I come on when I feel like it. So it sounds like a bit of a hypocrite when people say, like, why don't you have that much followers yourself? And I'm just like, that's because I generally don't want to work on myself. I just like doing it, helping others. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at nagis.madani and same thing with my Facebook, nagis.madani. 
and I'm hoping to plan more um, and post more of my personal stuff and connect with each one of you and I guess build a community of my own and see if we fit, we fit, if we don't, if we don't, and that's that. Um, but you can also follow the Prestige Marketing Solutions on Instagram as well if you want to learn about marketing or digital marketing or if you're a business owner and want to get in contact and see where I could best support you, I'm happy to do that as well. So. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks again for your time and uh, all the best for this next chapter uh, soon to begin in Melbourne. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for today's time and as well as having this, giving this platform for to us young people and to other business owners and to other um, volunteers in the community to really have a saying and I guess come on board and help out other people and inspire those who want to take that step into whether that's business or volunteering or community work and just I guess just do it and then you'll later find out whether you were right or wrong it's about just doing it and actioning it that's, that's it that's it the inspirational Australians podcast is brought to you by Awards Australia we recognize celebrate and share the stories of inspirational Australians through our awards programs across the country to find out more, to nominate an inspirational Australian in your life, or to partner with our awards, visit awardsaustralia.com. If you enjoyed today's story, we'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and review to make sure you don't miss an episode and to help our guests reach more people with their inspirational stories.